When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in Counselor Education and Supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question asks about the Netflix special that came out, Conversations with a Killer, which was a four-part series that looked at Ted Bundy, who is one of the most notorious serial killers in history. And I thought this was an interesting topic. I spent a lot of time studying psychopathy, narcissism, and the different histories of serial killers. So I was familiar with Ted Bundy in terms of what we know that's documented. Although there were a few things in the Netflix special that were new that I'd never heard before. Most of it I had heard before. So it's important when talking about somebody who was an actual person. Ted Bundy was an actual individual, a serial killer, who was executed in, I believe it was 1989. It's important to point out that we can't diagnose real people. My analysis is really speculation based on different information that was reported in the media and books and even on Netflix. I've never met Ted Bundy, obviously, and I can't offer any type of diagnosis. And for what it's worth, nobody can, unless they've met Ted Bundy and were there in a clinical capacity. Nobody can offer a diagnosis. What I can do, however, is talk about what could be happening with somebody who exhibits the behavior that we see documented in all these reports. And this isn't really a matter of courtesy. It's a matter of logic, right? So I could see some people saying, well, Ted Bundy murdered maybe around 50 people or more. We don't know. He doesn't deserve the courtesy. You can just say whatever you want. It's not a matter of that. It's a matter of logic. If you haven't met somebody in person, you can't diagnose them. In the mental health profession, our diagnostic skills are already fairly limited by what we know in terms of psychopathology because people are so complex. So even if I were with somebody in person and tried to diagnose them, that would be not perfectly reliable. So when mental health professionals try to diagnose from a distance just based on reports, it's extremely unreliable. So again, here I'm just really exploring both sides of certain arguments in terms of what we see in the documentation that we have available. And I'll talk about a few different questions I've been asked. Was Ted Bundy really special? So this question is talking about how is he so devastating as a serial killer? Did he have some sort of special capability? Was he extremely intelligent? Things like this. I'll also talk about the debate between psychopathy, narcissism, and bipolar disorder that was touched on a little bit in the Netflix special, but I've seen it talked about more in different articles and books, where there was this attempt at one point to diagnose him with manic depression. I think it was one of the 
mental health professionals hired by his defense team. So now, of course, we call that bipolar disorder, so I'll touch on that. And I'll talk about some other unusual features of this case, like how people are so fascinated with Ted Bundy. We see that in a Netflix special, one person indicated that his eyes went from blue to black when he was talking about his crimes, one of the people that was interviewing him in prison. And of course, we know that eyes can't change color from blue to black like that. It doesn't work like that. But there was really just this whole idea that there was something magical or supernatural or just incredible about Ted Bundy. And we also see it with a lot of the fans, a lot of the women that wanted to be with Ted Bundy that tried to slip him notes when he was in court. So there's just a lot of fascination around serial killers in general, but specifically, I think Ted Bundy has captured the attention of a lot of individuals. So before I get into the questions about whether he was special or not, the argument there and kind of looking at both sides of that argument, I want to talk about another question that I've received many times about Ted Bundy. And I think this question really kind of revolves around this idea that people are baffled that his history led to him being a serial killer. There's this idea that with some people's history, it's really obvious they were abused, maybe tortured when they were young, they had an extremely difficult time adjusting to social situations, and even though it's a low probability event that somebody would become a serial killer, people can still understand that certain experiences could lead to that. And that seems to be absent with Ted Bundy. But I would argue that his behavior was understandable in the context of his experience, although, of course, it was still a low probability event. Again, we don't expect anybody to become a serial killer no matter what they've been through, just because it happens so rarely. So we see from various sources, I don't think this was in the Netflix special, but in other sources I've read, that there were reports that Ted Bundy's grandfather tortured small animals and drank excessively and was physically abusive to Ted Bundy. Also, Ted had a speech impediment and was bullied when he was young. He was described as odd and weird. I think that was mentioned in the Netflix special. And he didn't seem to fit in with a lot of different social engagements that he was involved in. So, yes, you put those things together, that still shouldn't equal serial killer, but it becomes more understandable that that could lead to it. It could lead to characteristics consistent with psychopathy and narcissism, which of course we believe are very common in serial killers. Was the fact they became a serial killer inexplicable? I don't think it was. I think it lines up fairly well with the experiences that were reported. So how about the question of was he special? How is he able to cause so much devastation and murder so many people and evade capture? Well, I think here this is just an assembly of a lot of different circumstances that in part you kind of have to understand the time of the 70s, right? It wasn't just the characteristics of Ted Bundy, it was the characteristics of the time and the area where he was operating and he did perhaps by luck evade capture a few times and also through intelligence, but I think a lot of it was really the context. He was one of the first serial killers to operate in the way that he did According to the Netflix special, the term serial killer hadn't really been used before. And in other things that I've read, that's actually fairly consistent. Ted Bundy might have been the first person actually referred to as a serial killer. So you have this person who has unusual behavior for the context and a society that was not prepared to deal with that behavior. But let's look at some of the details that led to him 
being considered special. So with this potentially special aspect, I'll start by looking at this idea that he got away with a number of murders and other crimes. Well, he did a few things that I think threw off law enforcement and again just weren't expected in society at that time. For example, he selected victims at random. He didn't know the victims. And this really gave him an advantage in terms of evading capture. A lot of the time, of course, when police investigate a murder, they look at the friends, family members, people near the person, people that knew the person. But again, with random selection, that made it difficult to catch him. He also hid the bodies. He didn't leave a disorganized crime scene. He was careful about what evidence was left there. And by hiding the bodies, he denied the police access to a lot of forensic evidence that could have been helpful in finding him. It's also important to remember that there wasn't much technology available for the police to use. So some of this technology that we have today was simply unavailable or for all intents and purposes, it was unavailable in the 70s, like smartphones, cell phones at all, surveillance cameras, computers, and reliable ways to transmit information to a lot of people, like the internet and social media. So a number of the potential victims didn't even hear that murders had taken place in another nearby jurisdiction. The information really wasn't widespread. Also we see in the 70s people were living in a more free lifestyle. There was hitchhiking, there was a lot more exploration with attitudes towards sexuality and relationships. And I think too if you look at what was available to entertain people, we didn't see video games and a lot of information on TV. There weren't movies available that could be brought home and watched at home. So people would walk to a friend's house, they would wander around sometimes, get fresh air. Those were popular activities that we don't see as much anymore. So this meant that there were more potential victims for somebody like Ted Bundy. Also by and large the 70s weren't considered a dangerous time for interpersonal violence like murder. There were some crimes that we saw a lot of like drug use and things like that. But it wasn't considered particularly dangerous. A lot of people, especially in the areas where Ted Bundy operated, didn't even lock their doors at night. So you really have to remember that the 70s were a lot different than the times we live in now. Another interesting characteristic that I think helped Ted Bundy get away with the murders for so long is he didn't really appear to have worked his way up to murder. And what I mean by that is a lot of times we look at serial killers and we look at people that commit a lot of heinous crimes like that. We see that they started with smaller crimes and they have a really long arrest record and when they commit their first murder, when they're apprehended, and you look at these series of problems that they're in with law enforcement and criminal activity, it kind of makes sense. It looks like they were escalating up to something more serious. And Ted Bundy really didn't have a lot of serious issues before he committed his first murder in terms of a criminal history. So again, his profile just didn't fit with what the police we're looking for. Some other aspects of Ted Bundy's evading capture, we see this in the Netflix special. The police departments didn't communicate very well from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Now of course they do. When we look at the special it's pretty clear the number of those people in law enforcement simply didn't understand human behavior as it relates to a serial killer, as it relates to psychopathy and narcissism. Some of them used the words but again if you just look at the whole special, if you watch all the about four hours, you get this sense that they really didn't understand what they were dealing with. And I think that they underestimated him 
as well, just the person of Ted Bundy and his capabilities. If you look at his escape attempt from the courthouse where he did manage to escape, I think that was in Aspen, Colorado, and he went to the mountains and he had to return because he was hungry and eventually was apprehended. He escaped from a jail after that happened. So he escaped from a courthouse, jumped out of a second story window, and they put him in a jail and he escaped again. Now, I was thinking about this because he committed, if I'm not mistaken, three murders after he escaped. All three were in Florida, and I think he also had three attempted murders as well. So that error of letting him escape was really a very serious issue. It amazes me that somebody could escape from a courthouse and then go to jail and be allowed to escape again. When you think about the responsibilities of a jail, right, if we use an analogy and we think about a for-profit business, you can see people from that business sitting around and saying, well, we need to increase sales. We need to decrease costs. If you're in a meeting in a jail, you would think they would talk about people not escaping. That seems to be a really central concept to what a jail does. As a matter of fact, it's hard to think of many other important tasks that they really do. I mean, they have to make sure the prisoners have food and water. They have to make sure their medical needs are cared for, things like that. But I would say not escaping would be really high on their list of goals each year. And it just, again, amazes me that they underestimated him that much and that he was able to escape and they didn't even know he was missing for 17 hours. I don't know if that was mentioned in a Netflix special, but that's how long the time duration was. They believe he was already in the Midwest by the time he was even detected missing from the jail cell in Colorado. Again, just unbelievable. And they really did underestimate his capabilities quite a bit. Now, how about the personality characteristics? And again, here I can only speculate. How about the potential personality characteristics? Was there something special about his personality that allowed him to evade capture and to be able to cause so much devastation to commit so many murders? Well, we only have what we see reported in the media and some people that met him and what they described. But by many accounts, he appeared, as I mentioned before, kind of strange or odd to some, but ordinary to others. And this is what really strikes me about Ted Bundy is everybody that looked at him saw something different. So it was interesting in the Netflix special, there was this point where somebody was commenting on Ted Bundy's face and saying he had one of those faces that, depending on the angle, he could look like different people. And that's really referring back to when he was arrested, I think, in Florida, and they didn't know it was Ted Bundy that they had captured. So I find this interesting because I don't know if I really see that in terms of his facial characteristics, but in terms of his personality, everybody that looked at him saw something different in his personality. Some people saw a person who was odd and strange and maybe even dangerous, and other people saw somebody who was charming and relatively normal and friendly and outgoing. So you have this individual who is able to appear in different ways to different people. And I think this is one thing that helped him to evade capture because a lot of people believed he was ordinary or even intelligent and really not capable of being a serial killer. So with other personality characteristics related to Ted Bundy, there's a lot of discussion over psychopathy. And again, this brings me back to this idea that we can't diagnose people, which is, of course, true. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com But we can look at the different characteristics and see if they align with psychopathy. Does it make sense? Is it possible he was psychopathic? And of course, I think a lot of people would believe that he was, specifically a factor one psychopath. So there's factor one and factor two. Factor one has characteristics like superficial charm, lack of empathy, being manipulative, deceitful. And factor two has characteristics like impulsivity, irresponsibility, and committing crimes. So if you look at his characteristics, they seem to line up to some extent with both, but more characteristics seem to fall in the factor one psychopathy. So, for example, people reported that he had that superficial charm, which was short-lived, and people could see through it, but they had to have time with him to see through it. And that's highly consistent with the type of superficial charm we see with psychopathy and with narcissism. We see lack of empathy. Several people reported he was cold, unemotional, callous, all consistent with not having empathy, which is empathy is the ability to understand how somebody else feels. We also see that he appeared to be manipulative, and he did seem to lie quite a bit. We saw that from his experiences in prison when he was being interviewed and he told just a large number of lies. So a lot of characteristics that line up with psychopathy and a few that line up with factor two. So we see a lot with factor one and a few with factor two psychopathy. What about narcissism? Many people reported that he had this arrogant way about him. He was condescending, a sense of entitlement, all these are highly consistent with narcissism, and narcissism tends to co-occur with psychopathy. So if he had psychopathic characteristics, it wouldn't be surprising that he would have narcissistic characteristics. Often they do go together. So I'll get to some more potential personality characteristics in a moment that I want to cover in this video, but I want to get back to that original question. Was there something special about Ted Bundy that helped him to evade capture? And if you look at it, if you look at the circumstances, again, that occurred, that we see in the 70s, the context, and then you look at his personality characteristics, which potentially would be related, of course, to psychopathy and narcissism, I don't really see him as that special. I think circumstances lined up for him. He certainly had some abilities that he was able to exploit, to manipulate people and to harm people, but I don't see him as that special. I don't think he was an evil genius uh, or a criminal mastermind or something like that. To me, he was just a person who had characteristics that appeared to line up with what his goals were, which was murdering people. And then he was in a time when he was able to get away with that because he was one of the first people that did that. 
So again, I don't really see Ted Bundy as special, and I don't think what he did really merits all the attention that he's been given. He was just really another serial killer, another person that caused devastation and havoc in the lives of so many innocent people. So I understand there's a fascination with him, but I don't think it's really warranted. Okay, so this brings me to some of the other personality characteristics theories that we see out there with Ted Bundy. And I've heard, well, I don't know if I heard all of them, but I've heard a lot of them. One is that he could have had odd eccentric traits, like we see with schizotypal personality disorder. Maybe not the actual personality disorder, but rather just the schizotypal traits, which we see in a lot of people. There's some evidence for this if you look at some of the reports that we see in the Netflix special. I think it was one of his attorneys that said he didn't seem to understand consequences. He thought he had supernatural powers. This really points to a lack of insight, which again could be connected back to psychopathy and narcissism. But there could have also been schizotypal traits at work. That's possible. There's not a lot of evidence to support that, but it's an interesting theory. And if you look at the different symptom criteria for schizotypal personality disorder, for instance, which do line up with the schizotypal traits, of course, you do see odd, magical thinking, unusual perceptual experiences. So it's possible there was something like that going on. The other debate was around bipolar disorder, which back then they called manic depression. And this has really brought up an interesting debate. I think that it's possible, of course, that psychopathy and narcissism could co-occur with bipolar disorder. And that's actually happened a few times. I've seen that before. But many people think, well, the bipolar explanation really means that he had bipolar disorder instead of psychopathy and narcissism. And again, I don't think that's what that argument's really saying. I think it's saying that it's in addition to. So how about the different points in favor of the bipolar argument? Well, the level of energy that he had is consistent with mania. So bipolar has episodes of mania, which is a state where somebody has a lot of energy and euphoria and they can be impulsive and depression. Somebody is depressed. So in favor of this argument of bipolar, we do see this increased level of energy. We see the presence of command hallucinations, which were reported. So these are hearing or seeing things other people can't see or hear. And specifically with command hallucinations, these are auditory. That's when somebody's told to do something usually bad, usually hurt someone else or hurt themselves. What's interesting is command hallucinations are actually fairly popular in people that have bipolar disorder. Over 80% of people with the disorder will have command hallucinations. So this isn't really kind of a wild theory. This does make sense to some degree based on the characteristics that were reported with Ted Bundy. We also see that earlier in his life, and even a little bit later, we see these different reports where he appeared to be down or somber. That could have been depression. Again, it's hard to know. But if there was both mania and depression, that would certainly point toward bipolar disorder. Technically, bipolar disorder doesn't even require depression. Bipolar 1 disorder only requires mania. So how about the argument against the bipolar disorder theory? Well, as far as I know, Ted Bundy was never hospitalized, like in a psychiatric hospital or anything like that. And many people with bipolar disorder at one point or another are hospitalized. Not everybody, so still it's possible. Also, mania is fairly obvious. When somebody's manic, other people tend to know. And again, this really connects with the hospital theory. People tend to know, and they call people, and somebody ends up in the hospital. So it would be, I think, somewhat 
unlikely, or at least it would be arguing against the bipolar disorder theory, that somebody could go and have several episodes of mania and other people really not pick up on that. Another component that argues against the bipolar disorder theory is that usually bipolar disorder leads to disorganization, not organization. And Ted Bundy was very organized. He was a methodical killer. So if he was manic when he was committing the murders, you would think that he would have made more mistakes and really been much more erratic than he was. Also, on the depressive side, if he had depression, that tends to slow people down. Now, he did have periods of inactivity, so this kind of supports the bipolar theory that maybe he was depressed during those times and then manic when he was killing people. So it's really not clear here. It's not clear whether he had bipolar disorder or not. Again, there's some evidence that supports that he did and some evidence that makes it look like it would have been difficult for him to do what he did if he had those symptoms. So the next question I get on Ted Bundy is what about the rage and the sexual deviance? So this is really, I think, pretty interesting because a few things kind of came together with Ted Bundy. At least that's the way the evidence looks. He had impulsivity and he also had the ability to be calculating and to control impulses. So in a way, along the impulsivity characteristic, he was impulsive in some ways, but not in others. And it was a combination that allowed him to be able to commit these murders. He could organize them, be calculating, he could consider some consequences, but then he also had the impulsivity to actually follow through. And I think this is where the rage, his hatred of women, and the sexual deviance really motivated him. If we look at the Netflix special, it's really clear that certain times he was calm and thinking things through, and other times, like in the Chi Omega murders, he just seemed much more disorganized, and it seems like a crime more of rage than of being calculating. I think what really stood out for me about specifically the Chi Omega murders was that he committed two murders and two attempted murders in that one house, in that sorority house, and then a few blocks down the street committed another attempted murder, which again just kind of points to rage and impulsivity as opposed to being organized. So in terms of the rage and sexual deviance theory, there does appear to be a lot of evidence to support that he had rage and that he, of course, engaged in sexually deviant behavior as part of carrying out the different murders that he committed. Now, another element of Ted Bundy that I think fascinates people is he appeared to be resourceful. Like, if you think about the escape from Colorado and how he made it all the way to Florida, and he rode a bus, I think he flew in an airplane for part of the way, there might have been a train involved and stealing a car involved as well. He really, with no money or little money, presumably when he escaped, he went from state to state with hardly any resources and managed not to get arrested and was only arrested in Florida because of a traffic stop. So it's pointing to this idea that Ted Bundy was maybe more intelligent than average and particularly resourceful. He knew how to, again, control impulses when he needed to, to be able to evade detection and to move about freely. So there's another example of his resourcefulness as well. When he was in jail and he was planning on escaping from that courthouse, which of course he did do later on, he jumped off the top bunk to strengthen his legs. This is highly consistent with somebody who is resourceful and thinking things through and planning. 
And actually, there's a number of examples where Ted Bundy really demonstrated this resourcefulness and this ability to be clever and to maneuver carefully. So the last question I'll answer here today is, what would have prevented Ted Bundy from being a serial killer? Meaning, what could have changed in terms of personality or other characteristics? Well, I think, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of circumstances that came together, so probably really almost anything that was different could have prevented this. The thing that occurs to me, of course, is if he had more empathy, that would have kind of held the desire and the rage at bay to a degree. He could have connected with the people that he was thinking about hurting, and that might have prevented it. Also, if he didn't have the rage and the sexual deviance motivating him and pushing him, the lack of empathy may not have been a problem. He may have not committed crimes at all or stuck with other types of crimes. And, of course, looking at it from a societal level, if law enforcement was able to apprehend him, if they really understood what they were dealing with and had more resources, that would have stopped him as well. So a lot of things came together that allowed him to commit these really devastating, horrible crimes over a long period of time. And a number of things could have prevented that, but nothing did. Again, and this was mentioned in the Netflix videos, it was a traffic stop that ultimately brought him into custody where he never was released again. Of course, he was executed in 89. So Ted Bundy, really an interesting serial killer. I think there's a lot of fascination, as I mentioned before, but I don't really quite connect with all of that. I don't see why he's that fascinating. I think some of it was just luck and things kind of lined up well. But either way, a lot of people are fascinated with him. There's a lot of discussion around Ted Bundy. It has kind of renewed an interest in psychopathy and narcissism and serial killers in general. Of course, there's a lot to learn from Ted Bundy's behavior, and I hope that we can learn that and apply it to try to prevent this behavior in the future. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.